Welcome back to the AEC Disruptors Podcast, your platform to help push the AEC industry forward. I'm your host, Christopher Riddell, and joining me today is my co-host, Jackson Sinsat. Welcome, Jackson. Chris, I can, I can tell you're having a great day today. <laughs> I am having the most wonderful day of days. Um, so I actually, this one was, a, this was a cool talk. We had the chance to talk to uh, uh, Jason Schmidt. He, he works here at Applied Software. He's a solutions engineer. And he does a lot with things like Panzer and WorkSpot and these cloud uh, technologies. And he's actually a co-leader of the Austin CAD user group, which apparently is a big deal. Um, I don't know if you know anything about that since you're a Texas boy. Um, you know, man, I didn't even know Jason lived in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Man, that's what's so crazy about the remote world. You could like work with someone forever and not even know where they're located. Um, anyway, so we were talking a little bit about data and, you know, he had some great, great topics to talk about and great things to say. And, you know, we, we talked through a whole host of things, everything from you know, managing data, uh, the physical management, you know, we talked about it being in the cloud or being local. Uh, organizing this data and I think what set the talk up was for so many years I mean BIM I think the, the term and um, Revit it's been around for almost 20 years so that's a lot of data that's been collected and now we're kind of stuck like wondering what do we do with it how do we use it how do we visualize it you know all these things that are pretty important and um, so it was a it was pretty fun to talk about you know, I'm curious, Jackson, your field experience, stuff you've done in the past, like how important or at least the disconnect, I mean, what are some of the things you saw in terms of, you know, data silos and visualizing data? Right. So when I first got into the industry, um, the company that I joined was um, between software solutions. Um, so I was supposed to be the person who was the connector between our office team, which, you know, that included project management um, as well as our detailing department, since I was working with a subcontractor and then our field team. And, um, you know, when I first got there, it was probably partly, you know, me being a new person, not really knowing how things go and partly um, just the workflow is, you know, not ideal. Um, it was really hard for us to make sure that everybody within our field team, we're working off of the most current um, documentation. So even though we were, you know, we had a digitized workflow and we gave them iPads out in the field, it was a real struggle for us because, you know, um, they were using uh, PDF readers to look at thousands of sheets of, you know, since we're a subcontractor, not only did we have the contract drawings that we had to worry about, mm -hmm. but we also had all our shop drawings and spools and, um, you know, some of the architects and engineers we worked for, um, you know, let's just say there were a lot of revisions um, that came as a really good of drawings, <laughs> <laughs> lots of revisions. Um, and that resulted in, um, you know, several different versions of drawings. And there were a few different times where we had to end up, you know, doing rework as a result of our field team installing off the, not off the most current set. So the importance of, um, you know, a connected workflow in terms of data management between the office and the field when it comes to construction directly affects many things. Um, obviously, money. <laughs> uh, 
productivity. Um, and then, you know, even safety, you know, and um, we'll, we'll probably talk about this um, a lot more as the pod goes on, but whenever you don't have a connected workflow um, between your office and field safety wise, um, that can result in, you know, safe, like safety violations that are discovered and logged um, within the cloud, not reaching your team. And then they're not aware Did that- they even had a problem? <laughs> they're not aware that, you know, hey, on the 32nd floor, the fall barrier is broken and not there. <laughs> You know, so it's, it's a big deal. What was cool is he got to bring a perspective that multiple perspectives because his career has taken him from, in a way, producing, um, being a producer to being an owner. And then now he's on the other side of the industry, kind of, you know, helping to identify those solutions. So he had some great, great points. And, uh, and if you get to see a clip of it, you will get to see that he had a giant Lego head in the background. Man, I was going to say something about the Legos. I was going to say, yeah, make sure you listen to the whole thing. Cause there's going to be some Lego talk. Yeah. That was, that was a good part of the talk. There was no way I could not ask him about that, but anyway, so check it out and uh, check back for more. How far back do you want me to start on my background? <laughs> well, if you could start like when your parents met and then. Okay. So back in the, no. Um, yeah. So early on, like I've been working for engineers and architects uh, since I was about 15. Uh, spent my time after school hand drafting, uh, mm -hmm. working for civil engineers. So I started pretty early. Um, that went through high school, went through college, um, uh, started working in the IT, uh, working for a small IT firm that specialized in AEC, um, basically building custom boxes for architects. And this is early, early. This is when most stuff was still being done by hand. So, okay. so you're talking about right on that verge of that move over to um, AutoCAD, being the being the program but but that computerized uh environment as more the norm mm -hmm. you know the bigger firms were doing it the you know you had mid firms starting to go but you didn't have a lot of small and uh continued working uh for engineers small you know just small small size stuff and then uh continued even after that working on uh computer systems, you know, for these different, a couple different small firms doing uh, IT stuff because okay. it was very new, you know, back then. Um, then in the two, what, early, late 99, early 2000, mm -hmm. uh, left the Northwest. That's where I was from originally was the Northwest okay. um, and uh, started working for larger firms. So I moved into working for a, a national firm with I don't know, we 36, 37 offices, something like that, 3,500 oh. people. Um, so not a small firm. Not a small firm, <laughs> no. Very much, very much uh, a little bit different of environment. You know, more, more people, mm -hmm. more collaboration, more things to worry about. Um, uh, got my feet wet there. Um, and then we were acquired there and 
by a big, even bigger firm. <laughs> so we became a global firm. Okay. So now you're talking, now all of those things just keep getting bigger and bigger, yep. you know, more data. How do we get the data? How do we get, I mean, just people working, you know, and, and projects become bigger, mm -hmm. um, you know, teams become bigger and uh, all of the things that go along with that. And so moved my way up through there, worked with a lot of great people, a lot of great engineers, a lot of great IT people, um, very much this whole time has been design and IT, design and IT. So, okay. so I've very much been on that. You know, we didn't call it design technology back then, but that's what, for all intents and purposes, that's what it was. So a lot of, of you know, the, the in the trenches, you know, helping on projects, making people more productive. That's always kind of been a thing of mine is, is productivity. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we tend to... Uh, we we tend to try to force productivity. Here here's a program. Here's this. That isn't. That's not how you get to productivity. You've got to look at things. You've got to look at workflows, processes, how things are being done. Training. You know, you if yep. you've got ten people and they're all trained a different way, you're not going to be productive. You got one guy's going to be doing something one way, another person's going to be doing it another. Mm -hmm. So all those kind of things. Um, but yeah. So and then I left there. Um, went to kind of back to a small firm, uh, but it was people from the big firm. We kind of okay. all started dispersing and uh, spent a little bit of time there and then moved to what I would call a, it was still a small firm, but, but, but more mid, mid size, you know, okay. the amount of work being done. And, and again, a lot of people from the big firm, you know, a lot of people where that we'd all worked together in some form or fashion before. And I actually became a partner at that firm. Okay. Uh, so I moved over to the owner okay. side, you know, of the company. And, yep. and uh, that's a, that's a different, that's a different place to be. <laughs> you, you start to learn more stuff. You start to think about things differently. See behind you, the curtain. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, to be truthful, we, the organization was always very open. So mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot behind the curtain, but it was just, now you're worrying about different things. You're thinking yep. about different things, you know, it's a different um, lens that you have to look through. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, that was great experience. Really, um, a lot of good people, a lot of good that I worked with that were partners, you know, everybody just really, and, and really learned a lot. Um, and continued along that theme of, of, for me, you know, it, it all about productivity, all about, um, bringing things together. You mm -hmm. know, there's, there's, there's all these disparate systems, all these disparate workflows, all these different things. And, and over the years, like there's certain things I've grabbed onto over the years, you mm -hmm. know, one was like a big one's GIS. You know, yep. I, I saw, you know, back in the, early, you know, late nineties and then into the 2000, you know, GIS was kind of this guys in the back room and, and you know, and, and well, what do they do, you know, and what's yep. it for? And well, there was so much data there that we could utilize so many things we could bring to our projects, different ways to show the projects, different ways to show, you know, our clients things. Mm -hmm. And so I've always kind of, that's one of the big things I, I grabbed onto. So I was always big on, on that. And then of course the IT side, you know, the data, you know, 
um, as far as management of the data, the infrastructure, all that kind of stuff. And, and again, all about productivity, all about making users more efficient, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you typically, I don't know, it, it typically you have these silos of data yep. that exist and, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe, you know, the old school mentality of, of technology is, you know, we've got data over here and data over here and you can't go over here and, you know, well, you know, there's limited access to the data, different departments hold the data, mm -hmm. you know, you getting to all that data. And so I really started looking at what, what does it mean to, you know, I, I can't remember when, but I want to say like in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. everyone was always talking about silos of data, silos of data. It was, you know, it's one of those catchphrases that yep. all of a sudden everybody, well, there's truth to it. Mm -hmm. And it, how do we break those down? How do we start to make use of all this different data and, and where it's held, whether it's, you know, and I, and I realize there's, there's issues around like financial data and HR data, but mm -hmm. there's still some good data there that the organization as a whole can use. Absolutely. So, well, and that's why I thought it would be cool to um, have you come talk because Based on your background, obviously, and we can even talk a little bit about your current role and what you're doing, but it's it started to pull towards, or at least there's a lot of the the data um, influence, I guess, being able to you know do a lot of different things with data. What I find interesting is that you know the concept of BIM and all of this stuff, especially specifically in AEC, has been around for like 20 years. So we've been collecting all of this stuff, and we were told that we got to have this information in the model, and and that's where all the magic happens and we've been collecting the data and we've been doing this over and over. Now we're at a point where we have all this data. And I think there are a lot of people that aren't even sure what they should do with it or what they should have been doing with it or how they can leverage it. You know, it's like, okay, I have the data. So what, you know, or do they even know what data they have? Exactly. And <laughs> how are they able to see it and how they yeah. visualize it? And so that's why I thought it'd be fun to talk a little bit about because, you know, this whole series, the concept was on innovation. Um, but, even with innovation and being able to do certain things that are, um, you know, if you have these like really big goals of something you want to do, a lot of it comes down into how you're able to sort of manage, visualize and utilize the data you have. Um, and, and so I thought you were a perfect, perfect person to, to come into that. Um, before we talk a little bit more about it, I'm curious a little bit now. So we've gotten up to the point where you've had the opportunity to sort of do the production role. And now you've had the opportunity to be like on the owner side um, and you said your mentality changed a little bit. So as you, and as you describe your, your current position, your current role and what you're doing, how much of that mentality that changed now that, you know, like as the user, what they're doing now, you know, as the, the owner, what they're looking for, how has that influenced where you are today? And then even how you, you know, speak to other customers or other, um, clients or whoever. So it's definitely a different perspective. I, um, I probably say it too much, but like there's a ton of different technologies out there to do stuff. Yeah. You know, there's, you, there's tech over here. There's tech over here. There's new tech every day. There's an Tech's app for cool. everything. <laughs> there's an app for everything. Tech is cool. Um, but how's it going to help you? 
you you have to start to look at business cases. Why why are things? Why do we need to do this? You know, um, you you and again, it's for me. It's always back to productivity, user experience. It's because if you, if you have crappy user experience, you're not going to have productive people. Yep. Um, consistency. How how do you have um, how do you present things consistently so that you have a good user experience so that you have productivity yeah. and then accessibility, you know, you have to be able to get to the data yep. now. And whether that means in the office, out of the office, out in the field, you know, in a different building on a different floor, I mean, next to people, you, you can be sitting next to someone and they have access to something that you don't and you're sitting there scratching your head going, uh, what do I do? Yep. And so, you know, those are my four big, you know, kind of points. And so, you know, now what I'm doing is, is, you know, I've moved into this role and it's a little different being on this side of the fence. <laughs> you <laughs> know, from so, producer to owner to seller in a way. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, you know, it's, it's, those are the, but those are the four kind of points that I like to talk about when I'm, you know, when I'm helping out, uh, and consulting with the client and helping them, you know, get to what's their problem, what's their issue. And then what can we offer, you know, cause mm -hmm. not all, you know, there, there's, again, there's all these different kinds of tech, but which one's the best. You don't want to force, you know, a, a particular thing. Um, you need to know what the problem is, what they're doing, you know, what you've got to get down to those, you know, do they care about productivity? Do you care about user experience? You know, and if they don't, why, you know, and maybe there is a good reason. Usually there's not in my opinion, but <laughs> no, that, those are all good because, you know, as you mentioned, you, I would say I've seen in the past, people will throw technology at any problem to yeah. solve it. And yep. they think like, Oh, I just need a better app or I need a better program for that. Or I need to do this. And I mean, I'm as guilty. Like I'll go, you know, I, I joked on him one, I, I found an app to help me stop biting my fingernails. So it's like, oh, I, I need to exercise more. Let me spend 10 hours researching an app instead of just exercising. Hey, uh, send that out to me, will you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good app, man. I, you know, it, it hasn't worked, but, um, but so, but, you know, to get to like, what is the root reason that you're looking mm -hmm. for technology? I think yep. is a pretty important thing for a lot of people to, because I think people get overwhelmed especially in the AEC, I mean, yeah, there may be one platform that a lot of people use for modeling or for mm -hmm. authoring of data, but still there's all this data that we've collected and that now people are like, okay, well, that's not, that's a part of my business. You know, mm -hmm. I still have like the, the accounting part and I have the HR part and the finance and everything that goes into that. Now I have all this data, but if everything's disconnected, how, how can I say, like I'm looking at dollars and cents, but then I have all this Revit data. Is there any way that I can track things like, am I being productive? You know, yep. are we running into issues? And well, and even before that, there's, so, so in my mind, there's, there's kind of three levels to, to your, to data. Mm -hmm. There's the physical management of the data itself. You know, where, where does the data go? What, how do you, how do you transport that data? The, all that infrastructure, mm -hmm. you know, is it on-prem? Is it in the cloud? Is it, 
you know, in multiple locations? Is it in one location? Is it, you know, what, all of that stuff. Um, the connectivity, how do you, how do you connect all that data? You know, uh, accessibility, again, office, field, home, and that's even more important today. I mean, you know, yep. <laughs> where, where, we're not allowed where to go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's kind of that, in my mind, that's kind of that top tier. Yep. Then you have the organization of that data. Okay, everybody has the data, but what is the data? Where is it at? Why is it where is it is? What does it mean? What does it mean? You know, who has access to it? Again, we're back to accessibility. You know, there's, there's all these different systems to manage data. Um, document management systems seem to be pervasive <laughs> the last few years. And yet, most people that have a document management system are using bits and pieces of it. They're not, you know, it's not actually, um, I mean, I don't know anyone that's ever used a, you know, even organizations I've been, you know, it, it, it's not used the way it was intended, mainly because it's too difficult. It's a barrier. It's, you got to learn, you got to train. It takes yep. too much time. There's all yeah. these reasons. You know, many different like folder structure concepts I've seen for like how to store stuff. It's like, why can we not just like have one way and let's just do it that way. Let's get past, you know, if you ever want to, if you ever want just the most awesome experience, put, put six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 different department heads that are over their groups in a room and tell them we have to come to an agreement on a folder structure. <laughs> we had, man, we had like this, no 11, way. we had this like 11 by 17 printout that listed like every single folder. And it's like, you can't get it too detailed because if you get too detailed then somebody's like, Ooh, this is not exactly this. Where does it go? If it's too loose, then people just put stuff wherever they want. Mm -hmm. And, and then like, heaven forbid you have one of those, you know, uh, whatever backup system you use, um, I, you know, they're the ones that can't back up if there's certain levels of folder, if the file length gets yep. too long and stuff. Yep. Yeah, no, all of that. That's all, you know, it's all that. But, but that's kind of that second tier. It's that organization and cataloging of the data. And, and that's everything, whether it be a document management system, whether it be a folder structure, drives. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, you sit down at your computer and there's, we, how many, let's see what, there's 20, uh-oh, 26 <laughs> letters in the alphabet. <laughs> And, and you're looking at 23 of them on your screen and, yeah. and it's like, well, what in the world does this all mean? And, and heaven forbid they don't say like spell out a word or something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then, you know, and then again, access, well, yep. you know, Johnny has access to the J drive, but I don't, you know, when he's working. So all of that. And, and then in that level, and I hate to use the word, but that dreaded word of, of standards, you know, it's, that's how you get consistency. You know, yeah. people tend to fight back, but consistency. And in order to do, you know, consistency, user experience, productivity. You get, it's, it's, yeah. And so, and then there's that third tier. Okay, we've got the data. We can get it everywhere. We've got the data organized. But now what do we do with it? And, and back to your point, you know, what, what kind of data is it? Um, is it, you know, operational data? You know, there's, there's some great info in operational data, mm -hmm. financial data, you know, uh, a project manager should know how much time and money he's spending on a project. Yep. Um, time data. Now you start to get into a, 
I, I think there's a fine line, but time data is important. Mm -hmm. if, if you're able to see how much time is being spent on a task, on a project, on a, on a particular workflow, you know, those kind of things, um, there's all the engineering data. Yep. You know, there's all these projects you're doing, there's all that engineering data, whether it be architectural, whether it be civil, whether it be MEP, you have all this data. And, and nowadays, like you said, we're putting it in a model or it's part of some sort of model. Yep. Um, sometimes they're not together. Sometimes they are separate. Um, you've got GIS data. You've got mm -hmm. all this GIS data that companies are, are creating internally and consuming all this external data to help with their build intern up. and yep. build up. And that's all geographical mm -hmm. data. So now all of a sudden you've got geographical data and then, you know, and then along with the other data that we talked about, financial, operational, et cetera. So now what do you do with it? You know, what, what, okay, big whoop, I have this data. What, what I've got things here. Um, well, I know I have actually all kinds now, of ideas. <laughs> now I feel like more than ever, it's been important on the accessibility side because I was actually reading an article and it was talking about construction and, you know, construction and by the nature of the industry is a laggard in uh, accepting technology or adopting new technology. Mm -hmm. Well, because of the current environment where so many people have kind of been pulled off site and have to work remotely or be able to mm -hmm. access the site. There are people now that are getting thrown in, thrown into this world that they never expected. But one thing that I saw come out of all this or I read was we're going to find that the a platform technology is what's going to be super critical in construction. And what they meant by was we have all of these data sources, as you're describing, mm -hmm. and where the, the future is, is going to be in that solution that is like that one um, platform that is able to connect everything so that we can start to visualize it. But look at all these different, um, you know, places of data and have a way specifically in construction if we're in the field have a way to see them in one place yep which i think you know now i think you know we were kind of forced to go remote for a lot of um, mm -hmm. for a lot of it construction is one of those things i'm sure people didn't expect that ever would be fully remote and now we have and now that that's happened they've gotten used to it so mm -hmm. now we have to start looking at okay now that we have more people involved Mm -hmm. How do we build solutions or look at solutions that start to really link all of this data together? Yes. Yeah. And, and I don't know, sometimes when you start thinking and, and talking with different people about, you know, well, what do we do with the data? You know, sometimes it's as simple as a, a linked spreadsheet that brings in different data. You know, sometimes okay. it's, you know, using, those, that data in a spreadsheet to do some analysis, you know, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a first step, mm -hmm. um, you know, but really where, I don't know, I, I've been reading a lot lately about data and how, you know, there's, there's new technology, the AI and machine learning. Yep. And if you can get the data into those sources and start to, whether you're building something around it or you're using something that's already built, really starts to give you insight yep. and it's it's because it's able to look at consistencies it's able to look at deviations, re re deviations repetitive things and so now all of a sudden you start to get more um, and then you start taking that and combining it with dashboards and now all of a sudden 
you know, and I've talked about this for a few years with different folks, you know, it's, it's, if you had the ability to open up a dashboard and go, how are my project A types doing? And all of these projects that are of this type, you're able to see where they're at, how much time is being spent, who's spending the time, mm -hmm. and, and go, well, why is this one better than this one? They're the same project, the same number of team. Well, it's because, and, and again, some would say this gets a little big brothery, and, and, but you know, being able to go, hey, I can take this data and understand that I need to train these three people in this sort of workflow task yep. to get them up to speed. Now that's tied back to some sort of a learning management system. Absolutely. Now all of a sudden it's like you're able to stay on top of these things and you're able to see, you know, well, maybe I need to move these three people over to this type of project because they're faster at it. Move these three people over here. And in the meantime, I can train both groups on the vice versa. It helps with resource I'm, management. Exactly. Yes. Resource management. That's a big one. Um, you know, the other thing that I've thought about is we have all this data in regards to what we talked about, you know, your, your infrastructure, your standards, your, your, you know, how, how you do a project. Mm -hmm. What if you could feed that in and you could get live feedback as you were working on your project? Oh, don't do this. Your standards, you know, I know that seems a little weird, but think about it. A person going down a rabbit hole doing something the wrong way, which maybe it's not the wrong way, but it's just a different way that's not part of your standard, yep. your workflow. You can highlight that and say, hey, this is what you should do, or this is how we do it. And, you know, and here's the information, here's the standard, here's why. And they're able to move on without going down that rabbit hole. That's think, time lost. I think that, you know, that's a, a pretty interesting concept um, in how people could push it. Because I know in the past, like, so I was a BIM manager in an architecture firm. And we would do a form of onboarding. And it's impossible in that first, you know, one hour to explain everything they need to know. And inevitably, something gets forgotten that you didn't tell them or they're overloaded on that first day and they didn't remember. And so the concept is pretty interesting. And, and I'm not one, like I like personally, I mean, maybe it's the way I'm wired, but I like templates and standards. I like doing things outside of those, but because it, it takes away, like if there was a standard on how to do a folder structure, that is not something I care about at all. I don't mm -hmm. want to spend any energy thinking about it. I just want yeah. to like use it and then I can focus all of my energy in a different area. Mm -hmm. And so I think having those standards isn't a bad thing because it allows you to really focus on, I mean, the reason that I look at developing so many different types of automation tools in the, the authoring tool that we use, whatever it may be, is because I want to take away that repetitive mundane so mm -hmm. I can spend more time on design and actually, yep. you know, do what I want to focus on. Yep. Um, and, and with the advent of things like machine learning and um, AI, I think it, other industries are already doing it, right? And mm -hmm. so we have yeah. to find what industries are doing it well and apply it to ours. And, and something I think is pretty interesting is the image recognition aspect of, mm -hmm. say, machine learning. 
but it's just, there's so much data that goes into it. So you'll see it starting to crop up in construction for safety because we can use image recognition to recognize that you are on a ladder that is too too tall without Mm -hmm. a, you know, there might be a world where that infuses into design. I read a article the other day and in fact, I think I posted it on LinkedIn um, where they're using 360 cameras and they, they walk the construction sites daily and there's behind the scenes, the software and and it's got machine learning AI running behind the scenes. It's looking at everything and it's actually giving information back to the, you know, whatever, the superintendent, the owner, whatever, about different things, how things are being done, how things are progressing, you know, safety concerns, all those kinds of things. Cause it's able to, you know, we're, we're at a point where some of that stuff is literally the computers are doing it. I mean, you, that's not really what we were going to talk too much about today, but you know, we did one on digital twins. You can Mm -hmm. see how what you just described really starts to build that out because I could walk the site and I'm getting constant, you know, um, progress that could be Mm -hmm. overlaid on top of a model and we could see how far behind schedule are we, you know, where are we at, what's going on. Yeah, it's amazing. The AEC Disruptors podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and champion innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for the AEC MEP in manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Okay, we've talked about how, you know, we have all this data there's a lot of people that are like, okay, I don't know what to do with it. And you mentioned dashboard. And so I feel like the visualization of all this is really, is a pretty critical, well, there's two critical parts, right? We've, we've collected, we've been collecting for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now we have to figure out how to visualize it so that more people can see it. Cause it might be, you know, a facility manager in the field that needs to be able to kind of see the data in a very digestible manner. Mm -hmm. But so we got to be able to visualize it. And then we have to be able to um, figure out what we do with it after that. So we've collected it. Now we visualized it. And then there's this, I would say it could create a feedback loop of sorts. So like Mm -hmm. as an architect, I'm create collecting all this data, you know, don't I at some point need to start to look at it so that it can then inform other decisions for future projects. Right. Mm -hmm. So that, so speak to that a little, you know, based on your experiences and just kind of your thoughts and stuff is, you know, how do we go about visualizing it? And then from that, you know, what is really, what should we be thinking about as we start to go through the an- analyzing and creating that feedback loop? So that's, that's a good, it's a good loaded question. Loaded question. Yes. Before you answer so, that, hold on, before you answer that. Is there any more Legos in your office outside of the big Lego head? And they're all in uh, tubs right now. We've, we've put them in the storage. Uh, we have uh, big tubs full. Um, and we even have uh, bins that have like 
hundreds of, of things where each Lego, the pieces are all together. Oh, so they're wow. by color and by the little piece. Yeah, we, we're, we're Lego addicts, my son and I, and my wife even likes to play with them. I, but, um, um, I, my, right now, my office, it's upstairs, a shared office, and there's not really room for it. But I've collected a lot of the architecture Legos. Me too. I have yeah. the I have the Frank Lloyd, and then I have the Seattle, and I have the uh, uh, what's the other one? The museum. I love. Oh, there's the Guggenheim one. Yeah. Um, I, those are so cool. Actually, they're yeah. I think they're in that closet. But I was just curious because I looked before and saw the the Lego head. So I was. <laughs> yeah. You could have worn that like marshmallow. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I can. Yeah. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't fit <laughs> i got a big head <laughs> uh, all right so now that we've talked about legos um yeah so you know w again what are, your, what are your thoughts on the so it's next it's, step? it's a very loaded question because i think there's some different industries within the aec that are doing mm -hmm. it better than others okay um my experience has been um a little bit more basic. So we, we know the project, the project's done. We've got this data. Uh, we link to it and we show it on a website. You know, mm -hmm. we show it in a, in a, you know, we have these locations where we've done projects and, you know, gone as far as being able to click on it, pull up images of the project, pull up videos, you know, drone footage of the project, uh, pull up the plans, you yep. know, so we, we've, we've done that. But, um, and, and then now you have the next level being able to search it, you know, you've got a team starting a new project, you know, well, if you've done something already, like what you're fixing to do, why reinvent the wheel? I yeah. think that's kind of what you're alluding to. Yep. And so being able to search your project data and go, oh, well, I've done, you know, and, and we're not talking about a team that all they do is you know, a, a, a particular for a particular retail client, maybe mm -hmm. they're always going to know because they, they get used to churning them out. Yep. But what if you have another team that's doing something similar, but it's a competitor maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. Learn from what was already done, especially on the civil side, because things are so regionalized, you know, mm -hmm. you have different laws and regulations from city to city to city. So if you're able to go, pull that data up, you know, and, and know what was done, what rules, what regulations, what they were, you know, all of that kind of stuff, which is within the project. Yep. How do you, you know, so. Oh, and it can it also inform some... like future project. Like if, if you're a corporation or your company that does, you know, you bid on a lot of projects, for instance, mm -hmm. you know, you can use this data that you've collected if you are able to combine, say, your, your models along with your financial data, however you want to set that up. But mm -hmm. if you have those dashboards, now I can look and say, okay, well, this last model that was, or the last project that was of this type, of this size, of this, this is how much, how much it costs us to do. And yep. this is what we bid, you know, whatever it may be. It helps cr kind of create that due diligence for the next project so that you're mm -hmm. not always losing money on a project or, um, you know, making as much as you could have. Yeah, and I think... You know, I, we probably glossed over that a bit, but, you know, I think because I feel like today more people have a little bit better grasp of their data today mm -hmm. than, say, 10 years ago, than five years ago. 
Yep. But no, that's that's a big thing. That's all part of that financial, you know, project managers needing to know what's being done. But putting it all together, I think that's where things start to break down, you know, because yep. a lot of times, yeah, we have that picture, that geographical location. We can put it here. We can link to it. But have we tied the financials? Have we tied the reports? Have we tied the, you know, you you start to really have to build your own mm -hmm. um, because there's not a lot of, I don't know of a system, you know, that I've run into, you know, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, this, this system over here does this and this, but it doesn't do this and this, you know, these other four things, but then yep. this one over here does those three of those four, but it doesn't do the, you know, so, you know, uh, what I've experienced and what I've seen is you start to bring in tools that allow you to, pull that data. Mm -hmm. Now, again, it's missing a piece. It's, it's, I can pull all of the operational data, financial data, time data, you know, workflows, some, some of that, you know, how long things take. I can pull all that, but I don't have the plans and the geography and all that. Mm -hmm. So now, you know, and, and I don't know, you know, a lot of the dashboards, you know, there's, there's just tons of companies using uh, power BI now yep. because you can take all that different disparate data, bring it together quickly. And, and it's pretty user friendly. Something. And what's yeah. interesting you mentioned power BI, because that has been something that has been around a while, but it seems like all of a sudden it's all over the place. You're seeing it on LinkedIn and you're seeing people talk about it and trying to use it and build. I mean, I made my own, I saw a bunch of people. I'm like, Oh, because it is a user friendly way to take lots of data from different places and start to bring it together. And I think that's what that whole platform technology concept is, is that mm -hmm. integrated solution that isn't really there yet, but I think people are like looking to, you know, okay, well, what, what do I do? It's a piece of it. You know, yep. it, it, again, like I said, it's, it's, it's just a piece. And so that next piece would be, and, and I'm going out on a limb here, but this is, you know, from my experience, think of a GIS type application, because what is GIS? GIS is database. Mm -hmm. It's all database driven. And so being able to take all that data, bring it into some form or fashion. Now within a GIS system, you now have the geographic data, the pictures, the plans, the model, everything. Yep. Now you can start to visualize it even differently. And I know that's starting to happen. And I know that, you know, there are organizations working on that, um, you know, and, and even to the point of, I actually had this discussion the other night. Uh, you can go from region, you, you can go from world to country, to region, to city, to block, to building, to floor now, yep. to room, to asset. <laughs> now, what if you have all that other data, you know, and that gets into a whole nother realm, facilities management and all this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm, I leave that to other people, but, but the idea, the idea of being able to now take that data, all of those different kinds of data and actually do something with them, you know, and you're back to utilizing it 
in that visual way mm -hmm. um, because that's how people want to see stuff. You know, it's, it's very difficult to translate plans sometimes, yep. which in our world is what a lot of people do, but it's sometimes very difficult to translate that to owners, to, you other know, people. other, other industry, you know, an oh, MVP yeah. person looks at things differently and you start showing them civil stuff and they're like, Oh, what, you know, <laughs> or, or lines. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and, and I do, you know, some of us do the same thing when we look at MVP and electro stuff, you know, oh, yeah. wrong with it. It's just, you know, it's different, but no, that, that idea of, of how you bring that data together and, mm -hmm. and all the models, i I mean, you could probably list off, five, six different, you know, things that are starting to peak, starting yep. to show themselves. Um, but is there anything yet that does it all? And, and I, you know, I don't know of anything. I'm, well, I mean, will there, will there be, you know, is, is there a need for that? I, you know, I think, you know, again, going back to historically, you know, it used to be that we thought, well, who needs GIS data for a civil engineer? Mm -hmm. Well, nowadays there ain't a civil engineer that's not using oh, GIS yeah. data, you know? So I, I don't know. It, it, I think, I think we're going to see, especially with, um, as you've brought up, you know, brought up with the current state of affairs and, and people having to learn some new ways to do things. I think you're going to see some things start to uh, rear you know, from so. behind the scenes. You know, we kind of mentioned the the digital twin concept, and I think that's where we'll see. I think that I think this goes hand in hand because I had read about how, and this was pre-COVID, so it's maybe tweaked a little bit. The industry itself was going to like boom by ten percent. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like I mean, ten times, so like thirty billion dollars in five years. The digital twin industry, mm -hmm. not just AEC, but the concept, and I feel like probably what's going to be driving that or help drive that is what we've been talking about this whole time. We've been collecting all this data. And then what you just described is being able to look at like the world, the country, the, all of that starts to really tie into this digital twin and these assets. Mm -hmm. And we've had, I've had conversations with people that want to create digital twins of their homes. And I mean, to some degree, my wife and I, as soon as we moved in this house, we measured it and we modeled it. Now, <laughs> is there more data in there? Not completely, but yeah. I could start to, you know, yep. tap into all my different smart devices and I could tap yep. into, you know, we have a colleague that does a lot of 3d printing and he wants to see how he could tie his 3d printing tracking stuff into his home digital twin. Yep. And so, but I think it all is going to is be, I think what's helping push that part is all of this data we've been collecting for. So well, long. and not only the data we've been collecting, but the ability to present the data and, yep. and not only at the user level present the data, but at the, get the data to the people, that mm -hmm. infrastructure, you know, I'll, I'll go back to that. Cause that's, I yep. play in that world a lot. And, and you know, it, you never it, did tell me, what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so um, my focus is on virtualization, um, whether it be, um, you know, ma mainly cloud, uh, Panzura global file system, mm -hmm. uh, workspot, uh, you know, virtual workstations, um, other, uh, there's other, you know, products that also, um, but that, that's really where my focus is, is uh, here is in that, um, you know, getting P 
people access to their data, yep. <laughs> you know, and getting collaborating on the data. That's the big thing. The, the collaboration part, you know, you can store data all day long, mm-hmm. whether it be on-prem or in the cloud, but can you get people easily connected to it? And that's something we've seen, you know, since what, since March now, you know, with the whole situation we're in the ability to get people to their data Yep. And, and, you know, lots of companies, you know, I think most companies are doing well, doing okay. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of companies wanting to do better. Yep. And there's some companies that, you know, had kind of planned for it, maybe not in this scenario, <laughs> but, you know, in, in one way or another, they had planned for something and, you know, they were able to move and even they're looking at better ways to tweak it. And mm-hmm. so that, that's my focus right now. But, um, but yeah, no, getting that data, you know, cause it, again, my mantra, that accessibility piece, that's the yep. fourth piece, that accessibility, you, you have to be able to get to the data and not just, yeah, I can click on this and get to the data and sit here and twiddle my thumbs for 15 minutes and then try to open something and have to wait 30 minutes. That's mm-hmm. not, you know, that's not accessible. That's, yep. you know, I, I, that, that's to me is the opposite of accessible, <laughs> you know, but um, you know, so how you transport that data, where that data sits. Um, I, I think that's, an important piece of this mm-hmm. because you start to think about it, you know, how big some of these projects are, but now you're bringing all this other stuff. Now you're stuff. bringing operational data, financial, all this other data, you know, it, it has to be, I don't know, there's statistics on how long users will wait on things and, you know, before they just give up, before <laughs> they just come out, you know? And so, you know, there's, it has to be, you know, it, it, it plays into the accessibility part. It has to be accessible in a timely fashion to yep. be able to be utilized and, and make people again back to that productivity. So, I mean, I've seen, I, I think that's important. And in fact, it seems like the accessibility is probably the, what I would think is most critical of all of the things you listed, because I mean, I've seen some pretty good cloud solutions that we have access to that, some folks would rather go a more um, an older way of working and work on their own network, whatever, maybe simply because mm-hmm. it's faster. Yep. Even if that other cloud solution has more tools and more bells and whistles at the end of the day, if I have to watch something spin game over and game so over. I'm, I'm you know, I want to go back to sneaker net because it's faster for me to take the data, put it on my computer and work and put it back than it is to, try to traverse that digitally. And <laughs> I'm so guilty of that. Like that exact thing, like here, I do that all the time. I'm like, I don't have time to work on this network. I'm going to just put it on my machine and let's hope I remember to put it back before the day's over. Yeah. Well, and that's where, again, you know, we're, we're at a point where we have those tools now and we have technologies that uh, allow us to be, allow that accessibility to be quicker, you know? Yep. So you, you, you really, and in some cases faster, mm-hmm. faster than working on your network on a computer, you know? And, and, um, but no, you're, you're exactly right. There's, 
there's all kinds of tools and, and, but the minute you try to use them, you know, you, uh, it's, it's barriers. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, having to learn something, it's a different workflow than going here, opening a file and working on it on your computer, you yep. know, and, and the waiting always an issue, you know, and, and again, we're at a point in time where, um, high-speed internet's more accessible you know that that's becoming the really that's becoming the roadblock to all of this because everything is so connected you've yep. got to have that high-speed internet i mean it's like you don't have google fiber at home how do you work <laughs> it's like hey, now i don't know if they come out to where i am but <laughs> so i don't think i do i'm rocking the google fiber i love it <laughs> Well, congratulations. Why does everybody say that to me when I joke about it? I'm like, yeah, I got Google Fiber. And they're like, yeah, we don't like you. Shut yeah. up. I'll stick with my, uh, whatever, my 400 megs per second and just be fine. And just be fine. Yeah. I remember when I was, um, it was a time in my life that I, I went to a school that had re- supposedly really, really, really good internet is how it was touted. And one of the first things I learned to do with it is download pirated movies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I remember even then. Isn't I mean, that take, what school networks are for? That's <laughs> like the first thing I learned. And I, I remember I would like, it would take like an hour and a half for an hour long movie, which I mean, probably is okay. I mean, you're stealing it. Yeah. But now you look and it's like, whoop, you know, someone's like, going to oh. knock on your door here in a minute. <laughs> <be> like, <laughs> someone, someone I know got a letter. <laughs> oh, like, did they? Yeah. I don't remember what they were. Well, I do remember what they, I think I remember what they were doing. I'll tell you after the recording. Okay. Um, <laughs> Plausible deniability. <laughs> oh man. No, th- th- this is fun. No, this is really good. I, uh, we'll cut that out and I'll put it back. Um, do you have anything else? Like, so as we wrap up any kind of overarching, you know, things you like to tell, I mean, when you're going out, this is kind of your job, you're, what you're really trying to focus is there any one place that everyone should kind of put some focus in or, you know, maybe we just reiterate your four, your four keys. Well, I think, I think it's those four keys, but I think with that, it's, you really need to understand your environment and understand the benefit of those four things, because, you know, you'll hear, you know, depending on what your audience is, you know, you'll have some that are like, well, I don't care how long it takes them to open a CAD file. Mm-hmm. Or you may hear, well, why do they have to have access? You know, there's, there's these different things. Understanding why those things are important. I think that's the key because then it's, it becomes about the business, yep. you know? So, so if, if we can find the, the parts that all come back and flow back to productivity. And we can show that spending less time relates to more, you know, the organization making more money. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. But if you can show that spending, you know, are some of these technologies cheaper than old school technologies? No. Are, is it going to cost money to change your organization a particular way, you know, to be more accessible to your Mm -hmm. data? Yeah, probably. But at the end of the day, accessibility, consistency, user experience leads to productivity, productivity. You get more work done with the resources you have. The organization does better. 
you, you that cycle you have to think about that cycle and i yep. and i think sometimes you know i mean i know i used to i used to get lost well i i can't spend it's going to be too much money but then it's like wait a second let's think about yes we're spending more money here but we're saving money here 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 and here yep and we're making it better for the future yeah i, I yeah i mean i think that's the big thing um in my mind if that made sense. <laughs> Sounds like a perfect way to end it. <laughs> <laughs> May I appreciate you joining me. Um, Thank you for having me. Yeah, this is good. Thanks for listening to the AEC Disruptors podcast. Enjoyed this episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. The AEC Disruptors is directed by Christopher Riddell, produced by Todd Wyant, edited by Eric Daniel, and co-hosted by Jackson Sensat. The AEC Disruptors is an applied software production, copyright applied software 2020.